First up, just a warning. This episode of How to Change a Life covers topics that could be distressing. If you need support, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Now, here's How to Change a Life. Being in construction, I started having a few uh, mental health issues, huge working hours, extremely stressful. Um, I would literally uh, wake up in the middle of the night and go, have I allowed for this? Have I allowed for this? I was one of those people who would hate to speak out and it took me probably four to five years to actually have the courage to to actually speak to someone about it. A Australian construction worker will commit suicide every two days. Obviously, if that is happening, well, then there is something wrong with the industry. So, personal question, is your jaw kind of clenched right now? Maybe you're feeling jumpy or what people around you might call irritable? Or perhaps there's just this constant sense of dread. And hey, no judgment here, we're all feeling it. And by we all, I mean the vast majority of us, 70% of Australians who describe themselves as stressed. But does stress just come down to how busy we are and the pressure to get it all done? Or can we actually find calm and even improve our mental health when life outside our head is as chaotic as ever? I'm Mary Bolling and this is CQ University's podcast, How to Change a Life. And this episode, we're hearing from a Brisbane dad whose efforts to manage stress and anxiety for more than a decade, well, they've actually put more on his plate than ever. And surprisingly, that's a really good thing. My name is Michael Bowles, uh, married with uh, three kids, currently studying slash working slash also being a uh, stay-at-home father. So uh, yeah, it's always very hectic. I've actually been on and off actually studying at CQU since probably 2013. Initially started studying my undergraduate in construction management and now eventually um, about eight months ago started my uh, PhD. As Michael says, it's hectic and it's also not the path he planned on. As soon as I say that, everyone's like, oh, wow, uh, you don't look like the type of person who does a PhD. Um, So I normally start off like that and then I go through all my history of, hey, look, um, I'm actually a chef. I actually then started studying engineering and then I moved to construction and then here's where I ended up now sort of thing. So from the kitchen to the construction site to in front of a computer for a PhD, I feel like these are not your average career changes. And Michael's been making those changes, desperately trying to manage stress. It's almost like a stigma associated with the industry, but um, it is a very unhealthy lifestyle. Heaps of food, heaps of nice food, unhealthy food, but there's also alcohol, um, which like that was a big thing for me. And um, you're actually there all day, every day, over weekends um, to... Put it into perspective, I was averaging probably around 100 hours a week. It's hard to explain, but like it's either the industry where all you do is work, um, but you can't really like have a family. I think eventually I was just over it. So Michael grabs an opportunity to jump to a new career with a construction company. And over the next few years, Michael and his wife also start a family. 
And it's in that pressure cooker of newborns and nappies and juggling everything else too, the overwhelm starts to creep back in. It's hard to explain, but like coming from like a person who only has to look after uh, yourself to like all of a sudden, you know, here's a small little human. Um, I actually found that hard. Um, Unfortunately, like us as males, um, a lot of us actually find it hard to uh, speak out and ask for help. And I actually was one of those people. I don't think I actually knew I was struggling um, until probably my firstborn was maybe three or four years old. So I went through all that time just assuming everything it was okay. But um, as we've then had more kids, so we're up to number three, um, I can very confidently say that my relationship with my youngest is amazing. Um, and I think because it's all about those learnings of, you know, here's the first one, I had completely no idea. Of course, big life changes like a baby or a new job or a million other things, they hit hard for plenty of people. Part of the problem for Michael is he's always seen himself as cool in a crisis. He is resilient. I'm actually used to working in highly stressful environments, you know, like highly skilled, have to do heaps of things at once. Like I was actually working in a uh, steak restaurant and I used to be able to cook on a Friday night at once on a grill, anywhere's upwards of probably around 40 to 50 steaks at the same time. And I would know how they are all cooked and all the timing. When you believe something about yourself and that belief gets sideswiped out of nowhere, that's tough for anyone. And in the past year of pandemic, as jobs got cut, as businesses folded, as people got cut off from family and friends, that sideswiping has been happening a lot. Dr. Adam Girace is CQ University's head of course for positive psychology. And Adam says when that sideswiping happens, having some self-compassion can help. I think in a lot of the cases that we're experiencing, particularly during COVID, it's not so much about changing a thought or a behaviour, but sometimes stepping back and really looking at our perceptions about ourselves. So, you know, are our perceptions that we're cool in a crisis or we're the person that everyone can go to for help, is that actually a good thing? You know, does it stop us perhaps from seeking support when we need it? Does it make us feel bad when we feel fall short of where we think we are and also are those perceptions sustainable you know both for our uh, physical health but also our mental health as well you know we can be terribly critical when we don't meet our own standards and being kind to yourself isn't sugarcoating your experience but it's about being warm and nurturing to yourself and telling yourself that you really are doing the best you can okay so back to michael at this point he's still struggling to talk about not coping and soon family stress is flowing over to work stress too. I've been in construction since the end of 27-ish and I started having a few uh, mental health issues probably four or five years ago, but um, it was probably at its worst 2017 through to 2019 um, when I was, just, I was just extremely stressed out. Um, again, in construction, um, huge working hours, um, extremely stressful. I work in a, um, estimating role. So I actually have to estimate like all the building costs and 
I mean, I didn't, um, like, I didn't ever do large projects, but I think the largest one I did was maybe 45 to 50 mil. And, like, if you make a mistake, it's just, it's hard to sleep at night. Or, like, if you think you've made a mistake, I was at that stage every night. Um, I would literally uh, wake up in the middle of the night and go, have I allowed for this? Have I allowed for this? The mental toll is huge, but it's part of the job, right? And all this stress-inducing work still needs to be done. Probably doesn't help that Michael's also studying and things are coming unstuck. It come to a point where it was almost health and my marriage or my work. How I used to be, I was almost like an all or a nothing person. So I would give everything to my work and my study, which then obviously then that would leave a hole at home for my wife and my family because I wouldn't have any energy left at the end of the day. So, um, and in all honesty, um, it was probably like that for three years until I actually made a change. So it was extremely hard on my family, especially on my wife, who was just, I think, always hoping that I was going to make a change. But I just, I don't know. Yeah, like, honestly, like, that's the whole thing in regards to uh, mental health. I was one of those people who would hate to speak out. It took me probably four to five years to actually have the courage to actually speak to someone about it. Yeah, so it was extremely hard, but um, it was the best thing, though, for me and my family and my life, and yeah. As he starts to think more about his mental health, Michael realises there's a bigger conversation happening too. At that time, um, I was working for a reasonably large construction organisation who is really heavily orientated um, in regards to uh, mental health. They actually have their own um, not-for-profit organisation and there's obviously heaps of advertising about that. So um, at that time, I hadn't done heaps of research into it, but I was only hearing about it almost every day sort of thing. And something that I thought it was really interesting is that all I kept hearing is about how our industry has all these um, high rates of suicide. I suppose then that's how I was interested to actually write about it. Um, So I wrote my honours thesis on it and about the underlying uh, reasons why um, it actually happens. His lecturer loves the topic and supports Michael to present it at a building education conference up at Noosa in 2019. Both of them are realising there's huge potential for PhD research and Michael's personal experience is vital. I've only done a small bit of uh, flying flower work, but I do have friends who still do it. I don't think anyone actually really understands until you're out there in that isolation um, because all you can do out there is work. So say you're working for 12 to 15 hours a day and uh, you're either on a day shift or you're on a night shift. And then at the end of that shift, your own space is about 18 square metres. It's a bedroom, it has a desk and you'll have an ensuite. And like potentially that's all you're seeing for three weeks. I really think it's that isolation and Again, especially out in a mine site, unfortunately, you're like us as males aren't really good at opening up. 
Um, and if we do, how is it going to be received? Because if it is not going to be received well, well, I need to work with this person every day for the next three weeks. Um, and then that's how it starts. So this is probably starting to sound a bit far-fetched, right? You're stressed and you're not coping at work, so you take on a PhD. Actually, Michael's now being really deliberate about making sure things balance. I'm very lucky that, um, again, I had to go through a lengthy process, but um, I'm actually receiving a CQU uh, scholarship. I was unsuccessful on my first two attempts and apparently I was almost there on my second attempt. Normally after your second attempt, you actually have to wait a year But um, the head of the SGR was like, I'm going to make an exception because I think you have an amazing project and you were almost there that time. And, yeah, I was really lucky on the third time that I have a scholarship, which then obviously then allows me to, I don't have to work as much and I can actually work more on my study. So I'm obviously less stressed. Occasionally I still think, you know, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. Like, I mean that like in a harmless way as well. Like I'll have a day and I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm getting anything done. How am I going to get it done? I don't know why I'm doing this. I should be working full time and earning heaps of money, but I definitely know now um, I am heaps more happier. It's not just cutting back on work that's made the juggle work though. Michael is getting fresh energy from his research topic and what he's hoping to achieve for the industry and for his workmates. Personally, I don't know anyone myself who has committed suicide. However, I've actually unknowingly uh, seen the aftermath of one. Um, At a previous organisation, I was working in the city you know, it was just like a normal day sort of thing in the office. And then all of a sudden you hear all the sirens and then all of a sudden, you know, like all the roads are closed and stuff like that. And then uh, naturally everyone's interested. So everyone goes outside. And um, unfortunately that sort of stuff happens every day. I'm always reading these uh, statistics. I was reading one yesterday that um, a Australian uh, construction worker will commit suicide every two days. And you don't hear about that. Um, So obviously, if that is happening, well, then there is something wrong with the industry because all we keep saying is how these rates are so high and how it's always happening, but how do we help it? How do we reduce it? And I don't know yet how to change that, but I'm hoping through my research I'll be able to say, well, potentially here's what happens if you work 80 hours a week here's what all the stress is doing and here's how it is causing a a negative impact on your organization and the staff Um, because honestly I hear it all the time about how it's an issue in construction how the rates are high but there is actually no research out there at the moment in regards to how the suicide of a construction worker impacts an organization and their staff. It's a big project and a pretty emotional one. But Michael says he's got great support from his supervisors, from his lecturers and from fellow students. And he's found amazing inspiration closer to home too. My wife was studying midwifery and she actually studied full time 
while she was pregnant with our second child and had a year off after we had our baby and she went back and then she did her final year and had to attend all the lectures and everything like that holding our baby and she actually scored the highest out of all the students in her cohort so she got this like special award sort of thing and I thought to myself well you know um, if she can do that then I can do it as well because I really had to get out of this kind of thought process of all I am is a chef or like all I am is a person um, you know who works in construction and her and I are almost kind of the opposites like she has always been, I'll say, uh, naturally smart and scored. I had to work for it. Um, I did okay at school, but obviously, like at the time, I only wanted to work in hospitality. Yeah, I didn't think I'd ever be here, that's for sure. Most importantly, family life feels like a better balance for Michael now. For starters, his kids think it's pretty cool he's going to be a doctor when he's finished studying, which is technically correct. He's also got more time for family and he's deliberate about making time for them too. In positive psychology, and I teach and work within positive psychology, there's a model called PERMA and PERMA is P-E-R-M-A. And essentially what's suggested by that model is that good well-being comes from a number of factors and those factors are positive emotion, the P, engagement, engagement in whatever we're doing, which is the E, M, which is meaning in life, deriving meaning from our lives and looking for where we can obtain sources of meaning. And the A is achievement, meeting goals and so on. But what you'll notice is I've missed the middle one, which is the letter R. And the R is about relationships. Most importantly, perhaps, is to try to put that time into the relationships that we do have to give them that worth and that value uh, that they should, that sometimes we lose sight of during our, um, you know, our busy lives and schedules. You know, sometimes it can be looking at what relationships that we have that perhaps we haven't thought about as a source of support, um, a source of engagement, people to spend time with. Um, but as well as, as as many of the things that we don't have control over change, what we perhaps do have some control or more control than other areas is our relationships. That PERMA model, positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and achievement, that definitely fits the changes Michael has made. And he's pretty good proof it's worth all the hard work. Over the last year or two, I have worked extremely hard with my wife and we just had this like amazing open line of uh, communication because I think that's the only way to do it. I used to hate speaking to people like I was just and I don't really know why because I always used to work in hospitality I was around a lot of people but um I think it's this whole yeah like I was really down but if you had have asked me to speak on this like three or four years ago like there's no way but I actually like speaking about it now um I like helping people which I think has then obviously led me into my research of um our mental health in construction. Um, like, obviously, um, I want to raise awareness, but I really want to help people out. I want to help people through it. That's Michael Bowles, a bloke who used to hate talking. I think we can all take hope from Michael. Change does happen, especially when you're doing it to help the people around you. 
Michael's also a CQ University PhD student researching how suicide in the construction industry affects workforces and whole organisations. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at Michael P. Bowles for updates on his project. If you want more information about research at CQ Uni, visit cqu.edu.au slash research. And to learn more about Adam's positive psychology education, visit cqu.edu.au slash psychology. Finally, just a reminder, if this episode has raised issues for you, Lifeline offers 24-hour crisis support. Call 13 11 14. And if you're a CQ University student, free counselling is available. Email counselling at cqu.edu.au or search counselling in the student portal for more information. CQ University staff can also access free health and wellbeing support through the Employee Assistance Program. You've been listening to How to Change a Life by CQ University Podcast. Theme music is Wings by CQ University alumnus Tristan Barton. You can check out more of his work at tristanbarton.com. If How to Change a Life has got you thinking about where you're headed, we'd love to hear. Follow CQ University across social media where you can see highlights from all our episodes and subscribe to How to Change a Life wherever you get your podcasts to hear a new story fresh every Monday. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd love you to rate and review us too. Next episode, when the beach has changed your life and you want to make sure that's an option for everyone. We were able to give lots of people with disability the magic of the beach that day. So we had plenty of smiles, tears, shouts of pure joy. When I spoke to her afterwards, she hadn't been to the beach since she was eight. So she hadn't been able to get down onto the sand for 25 years. Till then, stay safe and have a life-changing day. (laughs) 